<laughs> crazy about it. Um, today, um, today being the 30th, uh, here's a quick verse out of chapter 30 of Proverbs, verse 5. Every word of God proves true. He's a shield to all who come to him for protection. Today, we're in part four of a message series uh, um, taken from the character of Daniel. And um, I believe for some of you, many of you today, that the Holy Spirit's going to plant something of hope down into your circumstances. I really believe and I've been praying about this and anticipating this day for quite a while, I think God is going to speak very directly to some of you who have been you know, praying maybe for a very long time, uh, believing that God's going to do something significant for you, and you've been praying and believing, and after all this time you still don't see what it is that uh, you're talking to the Lord about, and I believe this message is going to speak to you. I'm going to suspend the series on Daniel and come back to that later because uh, I want to start next week and uh, get more on the Christmas topic, which I've been planning for a while. And uh, I can give you a sneak peek of where we're going to go over the Christmas season. Um, When you read the Christmas story, there are several encounters different people have with angels. And um, I don't know how you'd feel if an angel showed up. Um, I suspect you could... Pretend you'd be really proud, uh, be really brave, but I think if the, if the moment actually happened, you would need the words that most angels say when they show up. Do you know what those words are? Fear not. Fear not. It's like, hey, chill, cool it, it's going to be okay. And I think it's really um, interesting. So there, there, there's something there we're going to talk in the next several weeks in the Christmas, um, in, the, in the context of the Christmas story about our fears. Fears like the things that God's asking us, our fears about what other people think about us, what is our standing with God? We're going to, so I'm looking forward to getting into the Christmas story. Um, anyway, so I know that a lot of people, and I, from personal, they've told me, and also just life experience, I know a lot of people are praying and believing for miracles, for, for, for something in different areas of life. They've been praying for their children, or, or, or they're praying for their loved ones to come to have a, a relationship, to know who Christ is, or you've been praying for um, some sort of a, a breakthrough. Maybe it's a, a a, a depression that's going on in life or a financial breakthrough that needs to have some sort of daylight or, or a relational breakthrough. Or maybe you've been praying for healing for someone or somebody faces something in your family and, and you've been saying to, to God for a significant season now, God, I really need you to show up here. Or your marriage, whatever it is. If you've been believing God for a long time for something significant and you still haven't seen results, I believe that God is going to minister to you today. And um, uh, I think it's going to happen in a very, very special way. Now, I want to start out before we open the Word of God and just get my rabbit trail out of my system here, okay? Because I've got one for me. We're going to be in, in Daniel chapter 10. And Daniel chapter 10 is, I think it's one of the spookiest chapters in the whole Bible. This really should be a Halloween season message. Not that I celebrate Halloween, but I mean, there's stuff in there when you get into this chapter where this man of God um, has, there's fasting and praying, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but there's this encounter that goes on there, and this encounter he has with this angelic being, um, we'll talk about that too, but this encounter that's going on, he starts telling Daniel about the fact that there are these wars going on, demonic wars that are going on, raging all around, and um, at just face value, I think the typical Christian the typical, the typical non-Christian feels this even stronger, but the typical Christian goes, ah, you know, I don't know, okay, makes perfect sense, don't see any evidence about it. Um, and so here's my little rabbit trail. I mean, I'm a little bit of a science nerd, just a little bit. Now, listen, I'm a little bit of a science nerd. If you want to see a real science nerd, you've got to look into my family and my children. There you see super nerds. I told you I would insult you today from the pulpit. Okay, so... Um, 
Anyway, he said something smart to me this morning. I told him he had Kitty get him with him from, from, from this. Anyway, so, um, but, but, but the, okay, so I'm a little bit of a science nerd. And, and so I look at things that science tells us from my standpoint, my worldview, which is that God created heavens and the earth and he's faithful and good. And without assaulting anybody's here, anybody here's position about science, I'm just going to tell you a few things that I've observed about science. Um, you know, if, um, if, if, if scientists today have concluded that as they observe the universe, they can only see and measure and detect somewhere between 1% and 5% of all of the matter that exists. No scientist will, 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 will dis, they'll disagree with that statement. They'll agree with it. They'll say, well, we can only see that 1% to 5%, but we know because of the way things behave that there's a lot more mass out there. We can't see it, we can't detect it, but it has to be there because of the way things are going on. And so they, they have a name for that stuff. It's called dark matter. You ever heard of it before? Scientists will go, yeah, yeah, there's dark matter out there. It has to be there because of the way the galaxies rotate and the gravitational laws. It is a truth. It has to be there. Can't see it. Can't prove it. But it's got to be there. Okay, so 1% to 5%. Now, you and I typically make all of our perceptions about life based on what we see. But there are things that you accept readily that you do not see. I mean, I watched the Seahawks Put the 49ers where they belonged. Okay? And I want to thank you for turning off the 49ers colors before church and moving to the more appropriate... Okay, that's not, that doesn't glorify God. Forget that I said that. Okay, but the point is that I watched this, this, this football game and I've had people tell me that the reason I could see it was because these invisible digital signals went from someplace up to someplace and came back to someplace and translated. I can't see those signals. But I'm convinced they're there because I see the evidence of them. I see the evidence all the time of, of, of things that I can't actually see. I listen to country western music in my car or Christmas music coming over the satellite. I mean, can't see it. No one here disputes that those things are real and you can't see them. But for some reason, humankind says, well, spiritual things you can't see, those are fairy tales. They do. In fact, a lot of Christians take that position. Yet, evidence is all around us that there's evil things going on, and it can't all be blamed on Hitler. Okay? You can't blame it all. You can't blame it all. There's, there, there, are, there are things that go on that you and I can't see, and this particular chapter gets into some of those spooky things. It mentions them, and um, I, I would say that you know, scientists have basically concluded that most of what exists is invisible. And there is a spiritual truth to that perspective as well. An awful lot of what is really real, you and I cannot see. And so this chapter has its, uh, gives us a peek behind the curtain, so to speak. Okay, end of rabbit trail. Um, I just wanted to mention that because we're going to bounce off that topic and I don't want to spend time on it when we come to it too much. So last week we were, in, in, uh, um, we were talking about Daniel and he was in the lion's den and he was in his 80s at that point. Now, when we get to today's story in chapter 10, he's a little bit older. For decades and decades and decades, this man has been standing in faith and believing, in, believing that God was going to do miracles in his life. I mean, I mean... Um, he was among a bunch of young people who uh, were captured by a, a previous king of Babylon, kidnapped, taken, 
held captive for his entire lifetime. I don't know what you think, but, but I got a feeling that his, pr- his prayers started way back then. God, get us out of this mess. Release us. Let us go back there and get the temple running again. Let us get back to what we want to do and what we're supposed to be doing. So I'm sure he had that prayer for sure for decades and decades. Anyway, lots of, lots of prayer. He'd been praying that, that his Jewish brothers and sisters would get released to go back and rebuild the temple. And by the time we get to chapter 10 and the events in chapter 10, he's now, I think, on at least his third king of Babylon. Okay, And uh, he has, he's kind of gone into retirement in terms of his public life. Now, that doesn't mean that he's retired from a spiritual role. Which is a, isn't that good news that when you retire from working with the state... You're not done with God, right? Okay, would you agree with that? Okay, so, so he's, he's still deeply involved in the things of the kingdom, but he's, he's, he's no longer this public figure, um, and you can verify that by reading in uh, chapter 1, verse 21, and other places that, that, will, that will show you. It doesn't come out and say it at this point that he's retired, but he is. He's no longer in his public place, and he's still praying about some things. He wants his, his brothers and sisters released, and they have now been just recently been given permission to go back and rebuild the, the temple. They haven't been given permission to rebuild the city, but the temple, they got permission to go back and do. And history says that under, or roughly about only 50,000 of the people went back. I guess the rest of them were comfortable and they stayed. But for whatever reason, Daniel did not go back with them. I don't think it was because he abandoned God. I think it was because maybe he was up in years. Maybe there were illnesses involved. Maybe he just physically couldn't do it. But... Um, He's fasting and he's praying is where we start out here. And he's upset. He's, the word says that he's mourning. By the way, at this point he's fasting, but he's not, this is not an absolute fast. A fast doesn't only mean nothing but water for some period of time. So he's, he's fasting here certain delicacies, which is um, how he describes it. And he gets this vision from God that's so disturbing that he's now, he's, he's you know, another vision that says there's more warfare coming, there's stuff going on, and he's... he's Hardship's coming, and he's, I've been praying for decade after decade. And, and so he did what he always does. He prays. He's been on his fast for 21 days, and at the end of 21 days, he encounters this angelic being. Now, the scriptures don't come out and say who the angelic being is. There is, I would say the scholars, Bible scholars are kind of split on this. A lot of Bible scholars who I respect and trust and would follow say that this is a Christophany. This is a pre-incarnate appearance of Christ. What, Terry? He was born at Christmas time. How could this be? Okay, I want to remind you that that was the human appearance of Christ, um, that he was there from the very beginning of the foundation of the heavens and the earth. He was there. John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word... Be- okay, so you, Jesus was around a long time before any of this stuff going on. So, so you shouldn't be surprised about the possibility that Jesus may have made some appearances in Old Testament times, and there are other ones. I'm not going to go into that now, but it's a great study. I encourage you to check that at some point. A lot of them believe, a lot of scholars believe that he was... It was Jesus that actually showed up. A lot of other equally respected scholars have troubles with that because of some technicalities, and that makes sense to me too. So I'm not going to tell you what I think. I'm just going to tell you that it was either Jesus or it was some extremely high-ranking angel. And in either case, the person speaking here is speaking in behalf of God. 
So for our purposes today, let's stop there and say, you know, okay, so without me telling you who it was, all right, I've got an opinion. I think it's great for you to have an opinion too, but for some reason, God didn't, d- didn't lay it out and really clearly, so I'm not going to make a fuss over it. So here's, here's what's going on in Daniel 10, starting in verse 5. I looked up and saw a man dressed in linen clothing with a belt of pure gold around his waist. His body looked like a precious gem. His face flashed like lightning and his eyes flamed like torches. This sounds a lot like the description of Jesus in Revelation 1 and 12. Okay, so, so, so his, it says, His arms and his feet shone like polished bronze and his voice roared like a vast multitude of people. His voice roared like a vast... Okay, a lot going on here. Verse 7. Only I, Daniel, saw this vision. The men with me saw nothing, but they were suddenly terrified and ran away to hide. So I was left there all alone to see this amazing vision. I think it's interesting that Daniel is the only one who saw him. The other people that were with him knew something was going on here. And whatever it was, it was spooky and it was powerful and it was strange and enough they took off. Uh, But he sees something here and um, they don't know what it is. They know something's going on. Daniel sees something. We don't know what it is, but he does. And I really think that there are times when God will show, uh, show you something special and not somebody else. Has that ever happened to you? I mean, I mean, if you're a follower of Christ, at some point, you, you know, God will show you something. It'll speak to you. Maybe it's a verse that you've read 10 times before. And then for some reason, this time when you read it, it reaches up, oh, oh, do you see what that say? And you're all amped up because how it so spoke to you powerfully and supernaturally. And you'll turn to the person next to you and you say, wow, did you get that? And they'll go, yeah, yeah, that's great. Do you know they have free coffee after church? I mean, to them, it's just a verse again. But to you, something supernatural has transpired. There's been a connection between your spirit and the Holy Spirit has said, this truth is right now for you, Terry. Take it in there. And it just kind of knocks you over. It's, it's so cool. Or, or maybe it's a song or some portion, something happened in, in, a, in a message that you heard somewhere or it was a moment and you know something because the Lord spoke to you. And today, for some of you in this room, that happened today during worship. Something spoke and unlocked and released in you and you sensed the ministering presence of God and and and. And if you had turned a comment to the person next to you, they would have said, yeah, 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 the cookies are free after church. And, and, and this is kind of what was going on with Daniel, okay? So he's had this encounter. And I guess I, I don't want to back away from this. And I, I want to say that I believe that there are some of you here today and that is going to happen to you today. You're going to have something like that when you really hear from God. And when you hear from God, your heavens are going to open up for you. God's going to speak directly to you. And you may say to somebody else, wasn't that the best thing ever? And they're going to go, yeah, yeah, it was okay. And the reason that you are going to hear it this way is that God has something for you. For every one of you at some point, for many of you today, but it's for you personally. And that's how intimate and loving I believe our God is. It's going to be that personal. So Daniel has this moment. It's in, and we pick it up in verse eight. And he says, my strength left me. My face grew deathly pale and I felt very weak. 
And I heard the man speak. And when I heard the sound of his voice, I fainted and lay there with my face to the ground. The strongest of men just cannot bear the weight of the glory of God here. If you've ever had a moment where you deeply experience the presence of the Lord, you'll know what I'm talking about. You just lose strength. And I hope you have moments like this. I mean, or, or have. I mean, and you know what Daniel's talking about here. Knowing that you're forgiven, knowing that you're just, just in his comforting presence in his, in, in his, in his appearance and, and he's assuring you things and he's saying to you, that, you, know, it, you know, scripture says in Jeremiah 29 that if you seek him, you're gonna find him. It's a promise. Jeremiah 29, 13. It says that, and, and when you have one of those supernatural moments with the God of the Bible where, you know, where the weight of God's glory somehow makes you no longer focus on all of the things that were so discouraging you moments before. What the doctor has said, what your spouse has said, what your kids are doing, what's in the mailbox. All of a sudden, he speaks words to you and something in your soul just says, oh my good and glorious God. And you're no longer worried, you're no longer unraveling, you're no longer weakened by those circumstances. And, and, and you end up going down, you may be, it's this experience I'm talking about is where you may end up on the floor, you go down on your face as one person, but when you stand up, you're somebody different. I, the reason I'm a little jazzed about today's message is because in my prayer time, I know that's happening to some of the people in this room because God showed it to me. I just, I just know it's going on. And listen, I've had, I know I've heard God speak to me before. Now, this is the thing that I don't like to talk about, especially publicly, because a lot of people will think I'm nuts. And you can go ahead and think I'm nuts. Many of you think I'm nuts already. <laughs> and you're right. Um, I hid something in the nativity out there, and I was told I couldn't do that. It wasn't funny. I'm nuts that way. Okay, so um, I don't know why I just admitted that to you. But, um, <laughs> but I've had God speak to me. Now, I've not, it not, wasn't an audible voice, but I can tell you it was so clearly the voice of God. It was almost louder than an audible voice. And, and when the Lord says things to you, they're almost never on topic, but somehow they cover every topic. You know, it's like, you know, Terry, I, I'm all concerned about something. You know, Terry, he won't talk about the something. He'll say, you know, you're nothing without me. But with me, you're everything. And all of a sudden, the something <laughs> melts. It just melts. And I've had the Lord speak to me like that many times. And some of you are going, you know, you're, you're just a kook, Terry. And I don't mean to be disrespectful, but I really don't care what you think because I know when the Lord spoke to me. And I know it was for me. And it was powerful and it was real. And it agreed with Scripture. I have people sometimes say to me, hey, God told me thus and so. And I'm thinking, no, he didn't. Not because I'm arrogant, but because the the thus and so doesn't agree with the word of God. That's one of the ways you'll know whether God's speaking to you. And, um, but it's not that I don't love you all, but I don't care if you think I'm nuts. I just know the Lord has spoken to me. And sometimes that's all I need. And sometimes that's the reason I come up and do something that doesn't come natural to me because God has spoken to me. And he's speaking, I'm not some special character. He's speaking to you too. If you seek him, you will find, you'll be, you'll find him. Some of you are going to have that moment today or tomorrow or next Thursday afternoon. Or, you know, it may not be many, maybe all of you, but 
you're going to hear something that will move you. (laughs) Just like Daniel did, and you'll be a different person because God has something that is just for you. So, how do you, the topic for today, how do you stand firm in faith when you're praying and you don't see anything happen? We're going to see three things to remember when you're standing in faith. First one is this. Always remember that God cares about you more than you do. God cares about you more than you care about you. I don't know some of you care about yourselves a lot. <laughs> Verse 10, then he had, just then a hand touched me and lifted me. By the way, the hand of God never extends to condemn. Did you realize that? The hand of God only extends to you to lift you up. Daniel says, just then a hand touched me and lifted me, still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. Some of you, this is your moment right here, right now. This is the reason you're in church today is to hear this word, that you are precious to God, valuable to God, priceless to God. You know, that word precious Don't blow past that. This woman right here in the front row is precious to me. I love you all, but you're not precious like that. I mean, I'm sorry, but there is something special about the one God gave me to be my lifelong mate and my children. Precious Joseph. (laughs) But precious is something different. Don't blow past this. When God tells you you are precious, that's more than love. You are precious. And I can counter people every week who feel worthless. God can't love me. And that is so far from the truth. You have no idea how precious you are to God. And some of you, that's why you're in church today. That I'm just saying these words, but somehow the Holy Spirit is trying to take those words and massage them not into your intellect, but past your intellect, past the barriers, past your experiences, past your excuses, into a place where your spirit will hear the spirit of the creator say, I really am precious to God. In spite of all this stuff I know about me, I'm precious to God. And you know that there's nothing you can do to make God love you more? There is nothing you can do to cause him to love you less because you're precious to God. He cares about you more than you care about yourself. This visitor, you know, he, he continues speaking. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you, because you're precious. Stand up, for I've been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up, still trembling. Three things to remember when you're standing firm in faith. One, God cares about you more than you do. Two, God is doing more than you understand. He's doing way, way more than you understand. Verse 12, then he said... Don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray. Since the first moment you began to pray. Since you started thinking, you were thinking up those thoughts, but really I was nudging your, your, your brain. Since the very first, first time you prayed, God heard your prayer. Okay, For understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your request has been heard in heaven. Since the first time you prayed, God heard your prayer goes on, I've come in answer to your prayer. Now, remember the rabbit trail we talked about, things we can't see and understand necessarily with our eyes. Verse 13, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. 
Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me. I left him there with the spirit, prince of the kingdom. This is saying there's a spiritual battle going on, and I was having a tough go, and Michael came to help. And now I'm here with you, and Michael's still back there kicking tail. I paraphrase that for you. That's what's going on here. This is a description of stuff going on in the heavenly realm. Demonic warfare that you and I don't see, but is constantly waging around you and about you. Spooky. I told you it was spooky, right? Shouldn't be spooked by it, but it's, we don't see it. And I want to talk to people in this room that have been praying for a long time about something in fact, you've been praying for so long, you're starting to wonder, is it even worth it? You know, I mean, why even bother? God doesn't care. If God was going to do something, he would have done it by now. I'm wasting my breath. I, I mean, God's not listening. He's not going to do it. It must not be his, that's the one. It must not be God's will. I'm talking to people who have those kinds of thoughts in your hearts right this moment. And I want you to understand that the very first time you prayed, God heard your prayer. The first time you cried out for healing for somebody that you love, the very first time God heard your prayer. The first time you prayed for your child that kept wandering and hurting themselves in their future, God heard your prayer. The very first time. Our good God hears our prayers. And, and, and by the way, God loves a persistent prayer. Prayer, prayer. You and a prayer is a person, right? God loves a persistent prayer. You know, the first time you call on God, he hears your prayer. Verse 13, but for 21 days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocked my way. Well, who's the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia? Um, this is a demon, demon force, okay? That's basically what's going on here. And... Um, okay, a mini rabbit trail here. There, if you read through scripture, you'll, you'll understand that at one point, about a third of the angels followed Lucifer because they were in rebellion and scripture says they fell from heaven. And, and there has been this thing going on ever since. Um, the study of Lucifer, who we call Satan now, um, the accuser, um, is an interesting if you use this as your source, it's an interesting study to see what happened there and why and how sin entered and, and so forth. Um, and, but, but for you and me, for our purposes, what God needs us to know is that Ephesians 6, but we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, rulers, powers, the dark forces of this world. We don't always see it that way. But don't ever believe that there's only just the physical realm. Anyway, uh, then Michael, one of the angels, came to help me. I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now, here's what's so powerful to me in this story. Uh, It moves me. I mean, think about this. Daniel prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he waited, and he prayed. And what did he see? Nothing. (laughs) Zilch. Zero. Just because he didn't see anything happen doesn't mean that God was not doing something on his behalf. Did you catch that? Just because he didn't see it with his eyes doesn't mean God wasn't up to something. And I know this is speaking to somebody because you've been praying for a long time, maybe even crying out to God, and you haven't been seeing anything. Just because you're not seeing something doesn't mean that God is not doing something. The very first time you cried out to God, God heard your prayers. 
Just keep praying and believing. And you may not see anything and you may not have any idea, you know, the battle that's going on in the heavenly realm, but God loves you so much. He's working behind the scenes doing things that you just can't see because he cares about you. And because the kingdom of light will overcome the kingdom of darkness. 21 days earlier, Daniel still saw nothing and this battle's going on. And because heaven heard his prayer the very first time he prayed. Now, when, just so you would know, when I'm studying and preparing a series like this and, and a message, you know, I'm, most of the time, or virtually all of the time, there are things going on in Terry's life that somehow make their way into this. It's like God is saying, hey, you know, I want you to understand something. If you're going to actually talk about it, Terry, I want you to experience something. And so, you know, so, so it's not unusual for me to have these experiences. And I joke about it at times with people where I've been pulled through some little tiny knot hole by the Holy Spirit to learn something, you know, um, which is not so fun to go through a knot hole that's small when you're this big. But, um, but every once in a while, the Lord will do something and I get to see something from his perspective, I want you to see things through my perspective. And, and I had an experience like that recently. Lisa and I um, um, had, we were gone a Sunday a few weeks ago. You might know, have noticed that, that we were gone. And uh, it's because of the generosity of some close friends. Um, we were able to be uh, in, in Arizona for a couple of days and I got to go to a car race. It was a lot of fun, um, which I think is important. Every pastor should go to car races. I'm sorry, that's just part of the deal. And um, anyway, so Lisa and I are down there and um, car races and old stuff. So we happen to have a little extra time. So we're wandering through this antique store in a little town called Cottonwood, which is way out of the beaten path in Arizona. And I'm just looking at all this old stuff. And I happen to look up on the wall, and here's this license plate. And it's a Washington State license plate, and it's personalized of the first name of someone who's, um, let's say, a family member removed a little bit, a little bit distant family member, an out-of-state family member. And I looked at that license plate, and I thought, oh, I can't leave this here on that wall. I need to buy it and send it to her. Someone I don't have a lot of contact with, but occasional contact with. I love her, but I just don't see her much. Don't interact hardly at all. I don't think I'd talk to her for at least a year, maybe longer. But here's this license plate. I got to get it. So I'm thinking I'm just being noble and, you know, I'm going to spend 25 bucks and it'll be nice. So I get this thing off the wall and I bring it home with me and I'm thinking I got to ship this thing. How am I going to ship this thing? And I, I know, so help me. I, I know the Lord says, slow down, Terry. This is bigger and grander than you're thinking. I'm involved in this. This needs to be an encouragement. And something unplugged in my soul. I thought, okay, so this has to show up unannounced. One of those times where a package shows up to you, gets delivered to your house, you weren't expecting it. It's not because of Christmas or a birthday, and it's full of cool things. Isn't that fun? And I'm thinking, okay, I know some things about what's going on in this person's life. There is some financial hardship and some relational hardship and some things that would break your heart. I can't go fix those. But, but the Lord's speaking something to me about encouraging. Okay, I get it, God. So then I start going and I'm buying candy and I'm thinking, that's not enough. And I get some fuzzy socks because girls like fuzzy socks. And I buy some, and I, and I, I load this box full of Christmas m- movies, Christmas music, Warm fuzzy socks, the license plate, and, and this encouraging note that the Lord just put in my heart. Say this to her. Stuff I really believe in. And I'm thinking, wow, this is going to be so unexpected. And here's the cool thing. The Lord said to me, Terry, her heart's breaking at this moment about things 
And you don't know what they are. And you don't need to know. But she's praying. And this is going to be the answer to her prayer. This is going to say to her, I heard your prayer the first time you prayed. And I love you and you're precious to me. And God prevailed on the heart of some guy states away. And it is so cool to be used by God like that. Now, I don't tell you this story so you'll go, oh, Terry, you're such a swell guy. Because I'm not. I just saw this license plate and said, okay, I probably shouldn't leave that in this state and get, get it off. I mean, just, okay. I mean, I just, I tell you the story because God hears your prayer the first time and you don't know what's going on out there somewhere. And God was prevailing on the heart of someone, states removed. And I said to Lisa, I've got to ship this thing. Okay. And I, I even said to her, I said, the reason is something's going on. I don't know what it is, but the Lord has said to me, there's a prayer request and this, the answer's in the mail. <laughs> Just because you're not seeing something doesn't mean that God's not doing something. Keep standing in faith. He does care about you more than you know. And the number three thing is this. God's strength is made perfect in your weakness. <laughs> perfect in your weakness. That's, that's uh, you know, even though we're in, in the book of Daniel, Old Testament, that's a concept that is taught in the New Testament. You'll see it in 2 Corinthians 12. My grace is sufficient for you, God says, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Um, I, I didn't really, I did some athletics as I grew up, but I wasn't crazy about it. I'd never lifted weights before, and I'm, I'm a grown married adult and in church before, and um, I met this guy, who was coming to our church. This is a long time ago, maybe close to 30 years ago. His guy's name was Bob Shaley. And Bob was this big weightlifter dude. And he, he, he ended up being one of the big, big, tough bad guys in one of the Die Hard movies. I saw him in the movie. I, I knew he was associated with, you know, he, he ran with Hollywood types. But he says, hey, come and work out. So a bunch, a few, a handful of guys from the church were working out at his house early in the morning. Now, this guy was a, was, was a weightlifter. He had stuff in his basement that would put most of the gyms around here to shame. I mean, had all these equipment. I'd never done it before. What do we do? Okay, we're going to start with a bench press. Okay, so bench presses, you lay on your back and do the bar and you push up and all these plates on the end, right? Okay. All you tough guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, so, so I'm lifting weights, and like I'd never done this before, and then I, I did okay. The next day, I could not shampoo my hair. <laughs> Excuse me, but my boobies hurt, okay? <laughs> Can I say that in church? Lisa says no. Erase that tape. But if you've never lifted weights before, you know that the next day, you can't get your arms up, right? But I had to go work out because I was told to go work out. So, so I came with him, and now he knows that I can't even lift the weight of the bar, but we've got plates on the end. He says, no, Terry, you have to do push through this pain, okay? So I'm laying there, and he's spotting me. Spotting is where you're laying on the bench press, and the guy's, you've got the bar up, you're laying there, and the guy's standing up here like here behind you, and he's got his hands out, and he's there to keep it from killing you when you drop it, okay? And so Bob Shaley is spotting me. Come on, Terry, you can do this. There's not a lot of weight on there. I'm sure there's hardly anything. And he's saying, come on, one more, come five more, you can do this. It's all you. It's all you. And I'm thinking, oh, I'm so strong. I'm thinking, I took my hands off and it went up without me. But because... <laughs> and I wasn't lifting anything at all. It was actually him carrying the weight. 
When I got to the end of my strength, when I had nothing left, he stepped in. And some of you have come to a place where you've got nothing left. You're at the end of your strength. And here's the good news to you. That's when you're at the strongest. Not in your own power. But because you can now fully embrace the strength of God. Until you fully embrace your weaknesses, you'll never experience his full strength. You know? I'm afraid. I don't have anything left, God. I'm just at the end. I just, I'm spent. That's when his power will show up more than ever before. Until you fully embrace your weaknesses, you'll never ever really appreciate his strength. Verse 17, this is what Daniel says. How can someone like me, your servant, talk to you, my Lord? My strength is gone. And I can hardly breathe. And some of you right now, that captures where you are. You know, my strength is gone. I've been hanging on to this marriage. I've been hanging on to my kids. My strength is gone. I can hardly breathe. Verse 18, then the one who looked like a man touched me again. And what happened because of his touch? And I felt my strength returning He touched me again. I felt my strength returning. Don't miss the power of this truth. Some of you, this is all you need. It's like, boom. Right here. Here's your moment with God. One touch. One touch. And you're restored. One touch from God, and you're coming back to relationship with the King. One touch, and you're believing God now for things that you stopped believing in a long time ago. One touch is enough to keep on going. And your strength is returned. Because one touch from the presence of Christ is, and everything changes. I have no strength. And one touch, I felt my strength returning. And God says to him in verse 19, Don't be afraid, he said, for you are very precious to God. Peace. Be encouraged. Be strong. And you keep standing in faith because the very first time that you prayed, God heard your prayers. And he released heavenly forces that are doing battle in the heavenly realm. And he may do exactly what you're asking him to do. Or he may not. But just because you're not seeing anything doesn't mean that he's not at work for you. And other people are going to look at you and say, how are you continuing? How do you... How, you're still hanging in there, I, and, and, and your answer to them is going to be, hey, hey, you just, you just don't understand. You just don't understand. God cares about me more than I do. He cares about me more than I do. He, and he's doing more things for me than I can understand. And his strength shows up in my weaknesses. And for me, there's a, there's a go-to scripture it's an encouragement. I want to give this to you as a beacon and pray, and then pray. As Romans 8, 28 says that all things work together for good to those who are called according to his purposes. Those who love God and are called according to his purposes. I'm gonna, um, we're going to close a little bit differently today. Instead of singing and so forth, um, I'm going to pray. And when the prayer is done, you will see a group of people um, who will sneak up while your eyes are closed, actually. And uh, they're going to form in over here and over here. And these are, these are the, this is the prayer team of the church, people I trust and know who love God 
they're honorable people, godly people who can keep confidences and um, they would just like to agree with you in your prayer. If you want someone to agree with you in your prayer, you don't have to feel compelled to do this, but I encourage you to do this. If, if you want to get right with God, just say, hey, I, I need to be right with God. Go talk to these people and they'll pray with you. Nothing weird's going to happen. You're not joining the church. They're not going to grab your wallet or anything, okay? So they'll be here for you. Or if your heart's breaking and you just need someone to stand with you, they love to do that. And if you just want prayer and you don't want to tell them why they're praying, they're good with that too, okay? So I want to pray and then invite you to do that.